0: Cavern, and that is because I basically am. I'm standing in an empty room, an empty bedroom that I have been in for over 10 years. Really wild shit, actually. When I was moving out, I talked to my landlord, and I was like, okay, so how long have I been here? Because you got to get references. 10 fucking years. It's pretty crazy when you think about it. 10 years is how long I have been in this one place. And it's been a good 10 years, man. Like, if you think about all the really great things that have been done, uh, made multiple short films, really good short films. 12KM couldn't have been made without my time here. Uh, Who's There wouldn't have been made if I hadn't spent time here. And if my rent wasn't so affordable here, I wouldn't have been able to go to California so many times to go on these really cool trips to Europe and find all this really great inspiration. So, 10 years went by like nothing. Like this, it was gone. I mean, how many of you guys feel that same way? Right? One second, you're hanging out, you're signing a lease, and the next, it's been 10 years. (laughs) So I'm using one of the cool portable recorders. I've actually got a Zoom. I think this is an H6, H5, H6. And I'm just using those speakers on top. And because the room is so empty, I can pace around in it. And because I'm doing left and right, almost binaural recordings, I can show up in a different ear for each thing I say. It's pretty cool. So anyway, Thanks for listening, everybody. You're listening to the new episode of Love of the Process. And if you cannot tell by the tone of my voice, I'm a little bit happier than I was in the last episode. That is because, get ready for it, we got the apartment we wanted. We held out. We gambled. I went and I looked at over 20-something places everywhere from, like, West Hollywood down to, like... Koreatown, and then we were in Highland Park, Eagle Rock, and we finally, finally settled in Glendale. Super excited because Gina and I needed a place that had space because, like a lot of you, we have gear. We have stuff that we use. We have these things that we acquire that make us quick, fast money. So. We needed more than just 600 square feet. So West Hollywood was off the fucking map. (laughs) And then I hit this point when I was doing that really depressing search that you guys heard me going through, where I was like, what is the purpose of us staying in this specific area? Is it just for a restaurant or a street? This is Los Angeles. It's different than New York City. There isn't a spot that we can settle in that will essentially be the hub for everything. No matter what, no matter where we live, we're gonna have to drive somewhere because everybody is so spread out. So once I realized that, it really sort of opened up the possibilities to me. And I didn't even think about Glendale. Glendale was off the map for me. It was too high, too far out. But then when I did the research, it's like, whoa, wait a minute, this is close to Burbank. I'll get access to all the studios, the rental studios, rental houses. Not too bad. And if you do the, like, uh, the calculations on traffic, eh, bad days, about 45 minutes to get to where you need to be. But generally, if it's not bad, about 30 minutes, you can get anywhere business-wise that you need to be. Stand by as I check a text message that I just got here, multitasking. Uh, actually got someone coming to pick up gear today. We'll talk about this on the episode as well. Um, give me 20. Recording podcast. If you listen to the show, you'll know what's going on. Okay, so uh, so we settled on Glendale. Now, the thing I really liked about this place is that it felt like a home. I think that's really important when you're moving and doing something in a new city, first off. So if you aren't even in our business and you're moving to a new city and you're trying to deal with the stresses that come at you, like bullshit stresses. Like how does trash day work? And how do I, where, where's, what's the best grocery store to go to? And fuck, I gotta register my car. What's it like at the registry here? Like all that everyday stuff. That motorcycle sounds like it's in the room. All that everyday stuff, but then throw into the mix the industry and going and pitching and the bids and the approval and disapproval and the waiting and the excitement and all that stuff. It was just very important to me and Gina that we found a place that we could feel at home, that we found a home base that we could just come back into and be together. Now, we also got ourselves another roommate. We're gonna be living with Mr. Mike Tran. For those of you who follow the work, Mike is a composer, he's a DJ, he did the music for 12 Cam. So he will be living with us, which is really great, because there's something nice about building an entourage, a group of people that you're with that you can depend on, some folks that want to go out and hang out and do some networking, also some people that work in the business that do the opposite of what you do, which is great. I just want to say this right now, I feel really happy. On this episode <laughs> it feels really fucking good to have a place and to be settled in and we're about two days out right now from getting on the road and doing our nine-day road trip from boston to los angeles and there's a bunch of really interesting stuff that i figured out about moving and shipping shit this was a big part Of what the past stressful week has been for us and some stuff that I'll let you guys in on and sometimes I'll mention specific companies and other times I won't generally I reached out to all these places to try to get either sponsorships or blessing to talk about them on the show and a lot of these places are so big and corporatized that you can't even get a real fucking person on the phone which was the most annoying thing on the planet because it's stressful, right? You're packing up all your shit. You're putting it into a container. You've got gear, you've got computers, you've got all this crap that you can't fit in your car. You don't want someone to fucking break it, right? So we'll talk about that on the show. I also want to talk a little bit about lease signing and all the stuff that we had to go through. It was such a fascinating thing in Los Angeles to see how many different lease rules there were, which was weird. Like moving into places, for instance, moving into some places, some people would demand that you paid uh, water, trash, the fucking gardener, the whole whole run of it. Because in LA, you're dealing with gas, you're dealing with power. Power's a big one, because if you got ACs, that's gonna be big. Gas is gonna be smaller than it is here in Boston, because in the winter times here in Boston, it's fucking ridiculous. Um, so you got gas, you got power, you've got internet, you've got um, sometimes sewer, trash removal, all these different expenses. And really, you're trying to bargain with the landlords, right? So the landlords like will jack up their fucking price per square footage, and they'll cover some of the utilities that need to get paid. Um, So it's this juggle between how high the rent is and whether or not they're coming utilities. And what I experienced in Los Angeles is that the balls of the people in the market right now, they were charging premium and then demanding that you take care of all of that shit specifically because you live in a section of town. And then when you look at what that section of town has to offer, it's like, okay, so this is the cool spot, right? So like Los Feliz, like Silver Lake, cool area. This is where everybody wants to live. Then you start to do the fucking research and you're like, there's zero parking. None of these places come with fucking parking spaces. So you have to deal with that. If you got two cars, you're fucked. Then all these places are really crammed up on each other. For a place that is so sprawled out, A lot of the development stuff that happens there is so condensed. And I think a lot of it is just because they're trying to make the most money per square foot of land that they own. So you're getting people building one or two or even three fucking living places on one plot of land. So you're dealing with spaces that are at most 800 square feet in the price range that we're talking about. And let's be specific here about what price range we're talking about. Our top dollar amount was $3,500 a month because we had three people to split it with. And that's top fucking dollar. That's still gonna be a fucking thing. Like if we have to pay $1,300 a month, $1,200 a month and all the utilities and all the trash stuff, the overhead's just way too high, and as you know on the show I always talk about keeping your overhead down, because it's the only way we can survive, right? I the only, the only way I was able to get enough money to go to California was by keeping the overhead down. And if you're not afraid to live with other people and you're not too ashamed to live with other people as an older person like I am. <laughs> Um, then it helps, it really fucking helps because it feels like every second of the day someone's trying to put their hands in our wallets, everything, subscribe to this and become a monthly subscriber to that and pay for this and monthly bills for this and that and then the next thing you know, you're just hustling and bustling and it's different for us because we don't do the nine to five thing. We are in constant battles with our clients to get paid period. There are so many people in our business right now that it's so difficult to get a job, the competition is so high that they're turning us against each other to underbid. And then in that desperate hunt for work and that desperate grabbing for that job, you're forgetting all this overhead that you have. And so then when you do those 60, 90, 120 hours on that job, and then you literally get paid a quarter of what you're supposed to get paid, and then you have to deal with rent. Keep your overhead down. That's that's enough of that, right? Anyway, let's see, where are we at? Got a bunch of people texting me today. Multitasking. I feel like we're in full production mode. This move has felt like a, an independent film production. Managing whether or not the pod can show up. Managing uh, trash removal. Managing uh, you know, when people are coming by and when people want to hang out. And I love the people that are around us, but Jesus fucking Christ, everybody wants to cram in a hangout session within the last week. Where have you been for the past five fucking months? Crazy. I love them. But what is it about people when they feel like they're going to lose something that they all got to clamor towards it? We're just going to the other side of the country. I still got fucking family here. I'll be back in December. I'll be back in like three months for Christmas. So it's crazy. Very stressful. And it's actually really stressful on both me and Gina. You know, having a relationship and two people that do things two separate ways trying to do it together no matter how well you work it out, you're always gonna hit that funnel, right? Because both Gina and I do things very differently. If we were planning photo shoots, we have very different processes on how we manage stress. You know? It's been good. We've done a really good job of communicating, but there have been these moments where it gets stressful when we do get at each other. But I think our one rule, and I know this is a little bit off topic, but if you are gonna be in a relationship, and the one thing that has been working out really well for the two of us, you always get into one of those fights, right? Where someone didn't do it, they said they were gonna do, or somebody else brings up some sort of bullshit, and you're just sort of sitting there and you have to handle what that other person says to you. And you're stewing it. So you're like, fuck this asshole just said this shit to me. He needs to apologize, or she needs to apologize, and I'm gonna wait until they do. When you play those mental games, if you walk away from an argument before you really talk about it, that stuff just builds. And if you're waiting for someone to come and read your fucking mind, and respond the way you want to be responded to, that's just building to something terrible. And it's those little moments I'm convinced It's a combination of those little moments that people don't communicate that stack up and that lead to the destruction of a relationship. So the one rule that I have, Gina does, I think as well, (laughs) is uh, I don't go more than five minutes in that mode before I go in and talk again or before she comes in and talks to me again. And it really helps. It really does because half the time, the shit that you're feeling and the bullshit, irritation and that stress that you're transmitting onto that other person, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes from now, doesn't mean anything anymore. But if you've allowed it to become this, this trial, this proof, it's like that person needs to prove that they understand how much work you did or they need to prove how you're feeling, then you're just setting it up to fucking fail. I don't know. Who knows? We're doing really good. i sorry that I keep looking at my phone and you guys are listening to me text, which is the worst. Uh, 830, 845, work for you. 830 is good. Like I said, hanging out with people. 830 is great. Isn't it exciting to listen to me text and do shit? Anyway, <clears throat> I'll try not to do that. So, Stress. Stress, stress, stress. You ever notice that when you're doing something big, at least I do, I notice that the only way I can handle it, anything, whether it's making a movie or whether it's taking a part of VCR, I need to break it down into tiny little pieces and organize it out into I look at those steps and I tackle every day, make a list and tackle each one of those steps that slowly I'm climbing the ladder, I'm making that forward progression and I'm building my way out. That's the logical, reasonable way of thinking about stuff. It's only when you add on the stress of your future <laughs> and your future happiness that it becomes more complicated. It really does, you know? Like if you were working for somebody else, like if it was like, okay, I logistically need to move all this shit out into this truck and fill a truck full of your shit. Um, Okay, cool, how do I fill this box? But when it's your shit and you're looking at stuff that doesn't fit and how that's gonna affect your life and then you start to argue about what pieces go and what pieces don't go because of that, fuck. If I had any advice on how to do a move and pack your shit, it's find a way to emotionally detach yourself from all your shit, all of it, right? Because it's just crap you've collected, right? It's that bit of Fight Club where it's all just shit, I forget the line. But it's, once we kind of figured that out, it was just a lot easier to let go of things. And then for me, it just becomes about money, like what can we afford and what can we not afford? and What do we take and what can't we take? And can we afford to buy something or is it better for us to ship it? And let's talk about shipping here, okay? So there's a bunch of different ways to get your shit across the country. You can hire a moving service. And we did the research on this. There are moving services out there that'll give you a full package of the truck, a certain amount of square footage within that truck, depending upon the moving service, they price it out differently. Sometimes they'll give you uh, square footage, like you can rent seven by seven square feet, they're like a cube, seven by seven, and that costs you, I don't know, $2,000, $2,500, right? Uh, Some of them have a big truck, and they charge you for how much space you actually use in that truck. So if you don't use seven by seven, let's say you use six feet, then they'll prorate that and they'll knock that down, which is great. The the negative of that is that they're cramming as much shit in that truck as possible to make as much money on that run as possible. So your stuff is just going to be smashed in. And they put in like little walls to divide stuff, but the horror stories of people missing certain elements and stuff being delivered on the other side of the country And then you're dealing with a moving company that's like, well, is it worth us to ship the lamp or should we just throw it out and buy a new one? We did some research on a couple of different companies. I'm not going to give their names yet, but they were really fucking sleazy, man. And be careful when you're looking at these moving companies, because the person that you're usually talking to on the phone is just the salesman and he gets paid on commission And some of these moving companies act as a conduit for a bunch of local moving companies. So just because you hire one specific company doesn't mean the employees of that company are physically going to load and unload your vehicle. That means you have multiple steps in there of deniability. So if that fucking heirloom bureau that you were given from your grandmother has a leg that's fucking smashed... Who did it? At what stage was it done? Was it done with the loaders, or was it done with the unloaders? And then who's physically responsible for that? And yes, granted, these places offer insurance packages. I think we got like a $10,000 insurance package with our thing that came with it, but we've got over fucking $40,000, $50,000 worth of shit in there, right? So it's interesting to think about. So we looked at moving companies, And I decided pretty early on that I wanted to stack and pile up the truck myself because I would do a better job than anybody else because I give a shit about it more than anybody else does. Spend a little bit of extra time and do that. So then the next question was, how do I get a container or a device that I can have for a long period of time so that I can load it at my own pace? So we started to do the research. And there are multiple companies out there that price it differently and do all sorts of different stuff. But we ended up going with Pod. Now, I reached out to Pod desperately trying to get them to see if they'd sponsor the show. Um, They're having some weird internal thing that's going on right now. And their their marketing person no longer works there. So bad timing. We'll just knock out the bad timing. Uh, Because I hate advertising for people that aren't going to pay for it. But i got to give you guys some inside stuff on how we did our move. So, pod. We went with pod. Pod was interesting to me because you're basically renting the container for a month. And then they charge you for dropping it off. So, to drop our container off costs like $400. And then they charge you for the transit of it. And the trans, to, to transit the container from Boston to Los Angeles is costing just shy, I think it's like twenty Don't quote me on that, but I think it's like $2,800. And I know that when you're listening to this, you're like, Jesus Christ. But when you do the math, right? So someone's got to drive cross-country with this thing. And you're only physically allowed to drive for how many hours as a truck driver? There's a certain amount of miles that you're allowed to do legally, which is under eight hours, I think. Don't quote me on that, but it's some small number. So you have to pay the poor asshole that drives the truck every day that goes across country. And then whatever they pay him, does he sleep in the truck? Does he sleep in hotels? How does that work? So that all factors into it, right? Gas for a fucking well, uh, like a high, uh, good fuel, like mileage, fuel mileage car, Uh, Like my Subaru, my Forester is going to get me cross-country. Estimated gas amount, 400, maybe 500, depending upon how I drive. A standard, and I get like 22 miles to the gallon, 23 miles to the gallon on that, I think. Maybe better on highways, but for a truck, trucks generally get about 10 miles per gallon. So then you start to do the math on that. So when you start to tally up all these hard costs and you hear a figure like $2,500, it makes sense. And there's something less painful about it when I know that that cost is going towards hard cost and it's not just making that company wealthy. Now, granted, they have to make some money, um, but I think the way that they really do that is they stack these containers on large trucks. And the reason I figured that out is that Pod has three different container sizes. They have a seven foot by seven foot by seven foot container. Super fucking small. So if you live in a dorm room, <laughs> maybe a studio apartment, and you don't have a ton of shit, you might be able to make that work. Now they have a 12-footer. A 12-footer is what I wanted. Because essentially Gina and I had, if you think about it, two bedrooms plus gear. So maybe three bedrooms. So 12 foot was what I wanted, and then they have a 16 footer, right? So I go to order the 12 footer, and turns out that you can order the 12 footer that goes cross country because of the dimensions on the back of the truck. So the 12 footer doesn't fit in as evenly as the 7 and the 16 footer fit on that truck. So they can make more money per container on that truck, essentially keeping their fees a little bit lower for each individual. Makes some sense. Kinda. But what sucks about it is that we had to get a 16 fucking footer. In which I'm only going to use about three quarters of it because I really only need 12 feet. So that's the negative of doing something with Pod because they're not, you're not cramming it all into a container with other people. So you're just buying that square footage no matter what. The positive thing about Pods, there's a, there's a couple things that are interesting about them, is that you're renting that container for 30 days. So they can either store it on this end or they can store it on that end. So if you're doing what we're doing, which is this drive cross country, my initial thing was like, fuck, the pod's gonna beat us. Where does it go? How can it be stored? Can I make that work? Turns out though, that <laughs> we're gonna beat the fucking pod. Cause the thing's not gonna get there until the fucking 10th at least. I think that's because they have to pick up other things, other containers, and they stop in different places. I don't know. But we'll be two days without any of our shit in California, according to our schedule right now, which is annoying. Um, The other thing that's really interesting about pods and these containers in general Pod specifically has this little thing on the back of their truck that they call the Podzilla, which is essentially a very creative forklift device that basically looks like a frame on wheels and that they lower this frame around the container and they attach it with four chains that go underneath this thing. And they can lift it and maneuver this little device into tight places, which is great in theory. The theory is that if the pod is 16 foot by 8 foot by 7, so it's eight, 8 high and 7 wide, that would normally fit down a driveway. What they don't tell you is that you have to add in at least, what was the math on that? 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Another 5 feet for wheelbase, for all sorts of other stuff. So I could barely fit it down my driveway. And then there's the height issues. I was literally outside with C stands, pushing my telephone cables out of the way to get this thing down the driveway. And I'm very concerned about our new place because our new place is on a sack, a cul-de-sac in Glendale. And I think he's got a smaller driveway than I do. So now what? If they can't deliver it to that house, what do I have to do now? Turns out I might have to rent a fucking U-Haul and slowly transport that shit from their storage facility into our house at an expense. In general, the whole thing before I could get into that U-Haul potential it's gonna cost us just under four grand. So four thousand dollars to take the bed a bunch of shit that we have that we need cross-country now we condense the fuck out of this place so I've been here for 10 years like I said before and you collect all sorts of shit in production you guys know this if you don't be ready for it there's sheets where furniture is used that's gonna get thrown out so you keep furniture you keep props you start to acquire amazing kitchen devices if you like to cook like I do and you have all this shit that you're sort of making and putting together Gear, lots of gear. So I spent about two months going through all of my shit and asking myself those hard questions. What do I use? How often does it come off the shelf? Is there dust inside? I haven't even used some of this shit. And if you've been following me on Instagram, at MikePetch here, following the podcast, at love the process Pod" on Instagram, you've noticed that I have been selling things. And I have been offloading all of my unused, but really great stuff. And I highly suggest this. I've been doing all sorts of stuff. I've been selling through Instagram to the people that follow on Instagram. And you guys have been wonderful. It's a great way to support us. It's a great way to support the show because all the money that I make either goes into the show or goes into helping us move cross country. Most of it's been going into the show. Um, and then, uh, I've also been using apps don't fucking bother with Craigslist because it's just scam after fucking scam. And there's nothing worse than getting your hopes up because you just sold something for a great price and then some asshole is trying to get you to ship it before a check shows up or they want a fucking, like, Home Depot gift card. (sighs) Stay away from Craigslist. Right? Highly suggest that. But there are a bunch of really great apps out there. And I'm not going to advertise them because they're not sponsoring the show. But look them up. There's great selling apps out there. And there's like five or six. I tried two. I ended up on one decent one. Um, And they're really good if you're willing to let your stuff go for cheap. And start selling early. Like I was selling two months out. So I put these things on those things at the prices that I wanted. And sometimes they'd go for that. And the weirdest shit goes for high prices. You can never fucking tell who's gonna buy what and for what price. Always blows my mind. But as you get closer, you start to lower that price. Like Literally, I am standing in front of a dresser that's in my room right now that I either have to spend money to get rid of or I'm gonna meet up with a guy on Thursday who's gonna hand me $5 to take my trash away. That's how you have to look at it at the end because if you can't sell this stuff, It's trash. So isn't it worth it to have someone come pay you $5 to take your trash out of your house? I fucking think so. So definitely sell your shit. And between all the selling and the sales that I've done over the past couple months, I've been able to almost supplement everything that I need to pay to ship the stuff that I want to keep. Which is great. Which is really great. As I talk about all this stuff, it's exhausting to say it all because it's been a lot.
1: This isn't like moving down
0: the street. This isn't like changing an apartment. This is literally moving across country where every square footage costs something. Pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. But I'll tell you this, we're both incredibly fucking excited at this point because it's real. Because it feels real, because it feels new, it feels exciting. And I feel like I'm making a really solid choice. Because, uh, it's not like I'm working more here. It's not like I'm turning down calls and pushing people away in the small marketplace that I'm dealing with right now. And who knows, it might be the same deal when I'm out there. But I gotta make that choice. And the thing that's really important about this whole thing is that this is the only way I can get 12 the feature made. And this is the only way that we can get who's there of the feature made. And that may have been the first time I've said this on the show. But this is important. This move is very important for these things. Very important for the future. So it's very exciting. What time are we at here? Six o'clock, six o'clock. You guys can have a few more minutes of my time if you Allow me to rudely text. Uh, address, let say it right here. Um, so what's new with you guys? Uh, we're at the end of the summer. How's your summer been? Have you uh, done work? Have you got work this year? And if you haven't got work, why not? Why do you think you haven't been getting work? And are you putting yourself out there? Are you promoting yourself the right way to get those jobs? And that's a whole other episode. We'll get into that more. The show will come back around again on production and how we do things and how we survive a bit as we land. As my brain goes from like, where do I fucking squeeze this table lamp? <laughs> and then back into... How do we get hired again? You know? I will say this though. I really appreciate you guys listening to the show. It's been very good for me because it's nice to have you guys to talk to. It really is. What else do we want to talk about on the show? So we talked about the moving pods, we talked about A little bit about the real estate stuff. Glendale's cool. I never thought I'd be in Glendale. The thing that's really funny about it, and we were joking last night, is that Glendale is the second highest concentration of Armenians in America. And the third highest concentration of Armenians is Watertown, Massachusetts, where I'm living right now. (laughs) So I'm moving into Little Armenia. It should be fun. I've been hearing a lot of rumors that uh, the driving is a little weird in that area, maybe. Those of you who live in Los Angeles might be chuckling about that comment. We'll see. It's exciting though. When I did drive through the different neighborhoods in LA and California, it's just very sad to see uh, how many homeless people there are out there. And it's one of the states where you can visually see the distance between the upper class and the lower class. Because you have some of the wealthiest fucking people. I think the wealthiest people in America live in California, whether it's Los Angeles or up in Silicon Valley. And in those same cities, you have these giant caravans, these giant tent cities of homeless, which I saw a lot of in a lot of different neighborhoods. I think the one place that I didn't see much of it was up in Glendale. But as you're going through all these different spots, like Los, Los Feliz, like Echo Park, was like a fucking war zone. Jesus, there's so much of it out there. And then you start to hear rumors from 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 folks that live out there, and they talk about the different diseases and the resurgence of the bubonic plague was one of the last rumors that I heard. I mean, it's it's an it's a huge epidemic out there. It's You know, wildfires, earthquakes, and homeless. It's a big part of Los Angeles, so it's very sad to see all of that. Last episode, I told you I would give it to you real, man. And you guys sat through a pretty hard episode of uh, the misery that was that house hunt. Seven days returning here to Boston without a lease signed. We had uh, three possibilities, and uh, the one that we wanted, which was this one, it was very difficult for us because he wasn't able to give us an answer for at least a week and a half. So we had to, I want to say, play the game a little bit and try to like make sure that we had a place. Um, and if he didn't say yes, we would have been pretty screwed. So. And I talked a little bit about it on the last episode, too. It was an interesting thing having to get uh, assign lease and prove income when you have three uh, freelancers on there. That's something to take into consideration before you decide that you want to move. I highly suggest that you organize your bank accounts. Because if you don't have pay stubs, right, make sure for at least three months prior you're depositing income in a specific bank account and you're allowing that balance in that bank account to stay relatively high because what a lot of the landlords needed from us was bank statements that showed that we are making money they also want to see your tax records They want to see what you make the year prior but they wanted to make sure that you had physical income coming in And so sometimes, we, you know, you have multiple different accounts and you're spreading things through those different accounts. Just make your life simple before you're going to do it. Give yourself three or four months ahead of time and make sure that you're proving in a bank account that you have income coming in. That will help you get the thing. And the rule of thumb is that you have to be making per month three times the amount of the rent. Right? So if you're paying... $500 $500 a month, you better be making $1,500 a month. And $500 a month doesn't exist anymore. I just made that number really easy for me to do that math quick. <laughs> um, so I would highly suggest that. And then how's your credit score? There's a bunch of really interesting things that we dealt with with the credit score. So our realtor that we were dealing with was like, you should probably run your own credit check early on to see if you have any problems that you don't know exist because then you can address those problems. Yes, it's a good thing to do. I would highly suggest you do that months in advance because every time someone runs a check on your credit, it knocks your points down. Now, if you've uh, got great credit, like Gina has fantastic credit and you're up high, so like your high seven hundreds, a couple points here and there won't make a fucking difference. And those points come back rather quickly. But if you're doing it all in a compressed period of time, and let's say that your credit score is like 660, and all these credit checks are going to knock you under 650, that can fuck you. Because most uh, landlords, at least out in California, they won't even give you the time of day if your credit score is under 650. Interesting little factoid that we did not know. Um what else did I, what else did I learn about that you guys might find interesting? <sighs> lifts are generally cheaper out in California, uh, cause they have to drive much further distances anyways. And I think it's got something to do with the fact that there's just an ass load of actors that are out of work and they need to do a job that allows them to have the time to do whatever sort of casting sessions they want. So most of them are driving lifts. Smart, smart decision to make, I think. If you're an actor, I think that's a great idea. Um, If you're in production, I think it's just taking time away from the time that you need to be spending making shit. So that's why I'm not gonna drive Lyft. (laughs) Um, What else? I'll tell you what, if you guys have any specific questions, about what I've been through so far on the show, feel free, drop me a note. Follow me on Instagram, at MikePetchy on Instagram, or follow the the podcast on Instagram, and Love of the Process, P-O-D. There you can drop me a message, and uh, write me the questions that you have. Because on the next episode, I shall address them. What do we have? 44 minutes? Not bad. Not doing a full hour and a half for these, because, uh, I don't think I need to. And uh, right now, we're two days away from starting the road trip, and I think I'm gonna do a journalized episode on that. We're doing the northern route from Boston to Los Angeles. So, first stop, I think it's like Rochester, New York. Here's an interesting thing, and I might have said it on another episode, but uh, AAA does this really cool thing, they've been around for years, it's called TripTik. And the website was really hard to find. I think it's like zoned out from what region you're in. So I think I kind of lied about what region I was in to be able to use it. I don't know. Um, but with triptych you can actually go through and plot out your course or your, your, your actual um, route. And then you can dial in how many hours a day you want to drive. And it'll knock in little markers at that point based upon where you go, how fast you go, blah, 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 bum. bum, bum, bum. And uh, it'll also tell you how much gas you're going to use, tolls, and give you an estimated cost so you can start to budget for that. Really fucking cool. It helps when you're trying to figure out hotels and you're booking hotels ahead of time. Now, I'm not going to give them a sponsor read here, but I used a very specific hotel booking website that after you book 10 hotels, you get a free room on it, which is really smart. And we're also using our Capital One cards, which if we book through a very specific hotel website, we get 10 times the points. So you get 10 times the points and a free fucking room. Be smart about this shit, guys, because it's gonna help you out. And for me and Gina, it's great because since the fucking pod doesn't show up until the 10th, we said, why don't we just spend an extra day in Chicago? Maybe we'll do a bar safari in Chicago. Sounds good. If you want to support the show, you see me post about it. You can click on the link in my Instagram bio or the show's Instagram bio and there you'll find a deal for Capital One. Now here's the deal. Before I do this sales pitch to you guys, if you are somebody who doesn't know how to spend your money, if you're that person that is up late at night, just fucking putting yourself in debt and ordering bullshit, then do not take my advice. I completely advise the opposite. Don't get a credit card and figure out how to work your finances. But if you're responsible, if you're starting your own company, if you're gonna do a trip, if you're gonna travel the world and you want to get free plane tickets and you want to get all of your travel costs written off, check out Capital One. Capital One's got two different cards. They've got the Venture card and they've got the Venture One card. The Venture Card is the difference. Costs $95 a year annually, but you get two times the points per dollar. I think I'm getting this right. Two times the points per dollar. With the Venture One Card, no annual fee, but you're getting, I think it's like a point and a half per dollar, right? So then you can use those travel points towards plane tickets, lift rides, whatever. Anything that is travel based on your statement, you can literally cash in those rewards online. So it's really cool for that. And if you get the Venture Card, which is the $95 a year card, and you spend $3,000 within the first three months, they'll give you, I think it's 50,000 points, which equals 500 bucks plus 3,000 that you've been spending, so you'll have a good plane ticket there, which we did. And that helped cover my plane cost for that first trip out when I went LA house hunting. If you do the Venture One card, spend $1,000 in the first three months, I think they give you 20,000 points, which equals $200. Still not a fucking bad deal. Now, if you guys are gonna do this, please click the link in my Instagram bio. Scroll down and you'll see either the venture one or The venture card selected there if you go through the sign-up process and get approved using our link We get a good Little donation from Capital One. It's a great way to sponsor the show It's better than doing the audible. It's better than doing all that and those are really great ways to do it But this is a nice little lump sum that goes towards the show So if you're gonna sign up for it please do so. And like I said, if you're a fucking asshole and you don't know how to deal with your finances, then ignore everything I said. So that's the plug for the show. Um, Get ready, because we're about to hit the road. So we're doing the northern route. We start in Rochester, New York, I think. Then we're hitting Detroit. I love fucking Detroit. We're going to go... Cross the Canadian border. Hit Detroit. Um, Ooh, Gina's going to make sure she's got a fucking passport. Boom. Got to talk to her about that today. Hit Detroit. Then uh, we go to Chicago. So we're hitting Chicago. And then it gets a little weird. Where do we go from there? Is it Iowa? We're staying in Iowa. And then we're hitting Nebraska. Nebraska. The hotel in Nebraska is like sleep and go. Uh, we're going to be in uh, Denver, Colorado, which I've never been to and I hear is fucking awesome. Um, and then some weird spot in the middle of fucking nowhere in Utah. And this is all because we use that triptych guys. So as you're going through and you're like, okay, five hours in, here's where you should stop. And it's really good way to pre book hotels. I was saying that before I broke my statement up. It's a really good way to pre book because otherwise you're just driving and you're trying to book hotels randomly right but if you use this you can actually plot your shit out so I was able to book a lot of our spaces like four weeks ahead of time which saved us a bunch of money so uh, we're staying in fucking Utah and then we're driving down to Las Vegas I don't know if we're staying on the strip in Las Vegas I think Gina found us some weird place I'm gonna go to Vegas and then we're gonna hit some local places. There's some awesome local bars, that are like Hard Hat Saloon being one of them, and then it's off to California. So I'm excited. Now that the fucking pod's gone, with all our shit in it, I don't have to worry about that. I just got to clean up some stuff here. I did take on an edit job right in the middle, so I'm working for clients before I go on the road, which is good. And then, um then we start. And like I said, I'll try to do a little bit of a diary thing. Gina will be on the show. We'll talk about the places we stay and the adventures we have. So that starts Friday. Uh, and I'll try to get these things posted when I can. Um, as you can probably assume, every ounce of every fucking day is taken up. Um, so if I can't get these uploaded, then it'll be after I finish the trip. And then we'll just stack them out. All right. So I think that's going to do it. Sorry as I breathe in the mics. 52 minutes. Sounds like a good time to end this. So I appreciate listening to the show, everybody. And uh, keep listening. Bye.